Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. All right, uh, before I start preaching, I would like to invite uh, my friend, George. He's very cool. He's a, he's a firefighter. And the masseuse. He's, he's got a testimony, brief testimony to share with us. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Good morning, church. So I'm up here today to share a story that um, attests to God's faithfulness that lives outside of our understanding of what it means to be faithful. Um, and it really ties in well to the Reigning in Grace, a series that we're, that we're doing. So I'm going to try to make it brief. Uh, about six years ago, uh, around 2017 time, uh, my wife and I started down a journey um, of a lot of unfair circumstances, um, stuff that was outside of our control that depleted us financially, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in a lot of ways. It was very much a desert season. Uh, nothing we did, it was, out, it was completely outside of our um, it was not our fault, and it was really rough. It, it challenged us in a lot of ways, and uh, I was, the whole time throughout the process, we had a good support system, and um, I knew that there was going to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's really hard to see it when you're at the beginning of that tunnel, and throughout the process, um, it challenged us. It grew us, and right after COVID, um, and so then COVID hits, which as anyone knows, no one's life really got better when COVID hit, so it, it only escalated it further. Finally, after COVID, um, we got to a resolution, uh, quote unquote, when I say resolution, um, it wasn't great, but it, it finished, it put a period on the end of a sentence that had had a comma forever. And um, so in this time, we moved back to Springfield, and in doing so, the Lord met us in a lot of ways to fix a lot of the financial issues that had come out of, of the hardship that we were going through, um, but not completely. And so the last couple of years, it's still been... Um, not sure how we were going to get from point A to point B. I believed that we would get there, but the, the, the path wasn't clear. And um, recently, uh, at our small group, uh, Wes, had uh, felt led to pray for Emily and I's situation, that, that God would reveal his favor and that um, we would see a path to where we were needed to be. And when I tell you it was the next day, God acted. So, so to give a little backstory, we were in the process. We had got rid of an old car, um, and we were trying to get a cheaper payment on another car. And so I had put in a loan for all of that. And the next day after the prayer, I get a call from the bank. And not to go into detail because it's not relevant in it, but within two days after that prayer, our entire financial situation flipped on its head. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and don't mistake me saying as if, like, all of our debt was erased. Um, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is what we prayed for, because we weren't praying that God would just, which if you wanted to, he can. If you want to pray for that for us, that's great. But well, my prayer was that a path would be made clear to get from point A to point B. Yes. It's not that I was asking. And again, if Lord wants to be super scandalous and erase it, I'm fine with that too. But what we wanted was a, was a path. There was no path. Within a day to two days after the prayer, there's a clear path to where we need to be. And we are in a thousand time percent better place than we wow. were before. And I think... So when you talk about money and the gospel, right, when you try to bring those two things together, it can stir some feathers a little bit because you start to get into the prosperity aspect of the gospel. Like, oh, 
it goes bad in one way where people will say, if, if your finances are not where they're supposed to be, there's a sin in your life or there's a problem in your life or you did something wrong or if you desire to have money, that's, it gets into some weird stuff. But why finances and the gospel have to go hand in hand is you can't be a slave to money and a victor in Christ. They, they, they don't exist. They're not, they can't coexist. And so it's not saying that when you say that God wants you to be free, it's not so you can be rich and have all the money in the world and, and never have anything issues, but it's so because you can't live your full life in Christ if you're a slave to money. Amen. If you're in debt to the debtor, you cannot live Amen. a victorious life. As we're saying in what we're spoke, you can't reign in grace if you're a slave to money. Amen. So I, I want to encourage that if you're in a situation right now that you don't see a path from point A to point B, his faithfulness will reign true eventually. I, there's no clear, there's no, he operates in his own time. Um, but be aware, and if you want prayer, and we can do it at the end of, in finances, but he doesn't want you to just reign in grace and anxiety and depression. He wants you to also reign in your finances. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in a place that there is a path, he will be faithful. Um, I just want to encourage you to, to hold on. Amen. Thank you, brother. Can you put it over there? Amen. That was awesome. We can't skip this part, right? Good morning, church. Yes, thank you. Uh, Yes, Lord Jesus. I have no clue what I'm going to speak about. No, I do. Don't worry. Don't worry. I have a general idea. I didn't have much sleep. There was an interesting morning. Some of you, my close friends, they, they, you will learn later. Some of you know. Anyway, it's fun to live under God's grace. We are continuing our series. Oh, let me check how many people were here two weeks. Those who were in like, what, what, what is it? <laughs> Go to our website and listen to the message two weeks ago. (laughs) Otherwise, you're an outsider today. I'm sorry. No, I I will bring you in. We uh, we started, this thing was from the very first message we started in this series of messages that we called Reigning in Grace. And Reigning in Grace come from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 17. And we'll get to that passage. Uh, The definition of, and again, I started this series by saying that In God's Word, it says that God's idea for you and me, not to be the tail but the head, not to be down but up, not to borrow money but to let people borrow from you. Hello. I read it in the Bible. You want to cut it off? Do it. I'm not going to. (laughs) Sorry. Prosperity gospel. The word prosperity is a biblical word. Some people did a good I mean, they did a lot of harm to this word, but it doesn't mean you need to dump it because some people have overdone it. Well, anyway, don't, I'm getting angry too early. Okay, to reign. What's the definition of reigning? And I know it's, it's a foreign concept to us, but God wants us to get used to this concept. He says, I, I know, I know, I know you. I, I know, I found you as a slave. And all you can do is to think as a slave. You're smart street smart kid you read people quickly you react and you take pride in that and you trust no one that's a slave my friend that's the first sign of a slave mentality you don't trust anyone that's the first lesson you need to learn to begin your journey with God to learn to trust 
trust his goodness. That was the main point of the first message. And Derek later came and shared that religion doesn't really help at all. It doesn't save you. And today I'm pretty much going to hammer the same nail deeper into your forehead. And if I'm successful, it's, it should go through, stick at the back, and I will bend it. God wants you to reign in life more than you do. It's foreign to you. It's foreign to me. But he says, hey, that's your destiny. I want you to learn to reign. As you learn to trust my grace, as you learn not to harden your heart, as you learn to dare to believe, I'll take you to places that you cannot reach by yourself. Don't settle for a mediocre life of an average person. You're not called, you're not designed to be an average person. Your fingerprint is unique. Your retina is unique. Your whole makeup is unique. You know why? Because God made you uniquely His to express Him in this world in a unique way. Do you hear me? If you remain visionless slave, you won't be able to do it. You'll just be molded into a shape of an average mediocre person that has very little of God's glory and expression. So he finds us in this condition. And the question is, how in the world God is going to take you from being the tail to become the head? From being a street smart slave that trusts no one to become the king who gives orders and changes reality? Well, the answer is found in the chapter 5 of Romans verse 17. It says, it is through our ability. I'm going to read this verse later. But it's basically, it is going to happen. This transition is going to happen. We called our church the bridge because our vision is to transition, to help people transition from the state they find themselves into the state God wants them to be. And this transition is going to begin to happen in your life and in my life when we learn to receive two things. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's Romans 5.17. I'm actually going to read this verse. Yes, let's read it. For if because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Death reigns in this world. It reigns. It's a king. It's a ruler. It's oppressive. It's illegal, but it rules. That happened as a result of Adam's fall. And we all inherited that. We were born into the world where death reigns. How does it look like? It looks like death. It looks like oppression. It looks like depression. It looks like addiction. It looks like hatred. It looks like hardened heart. It looks like anxiety. It looks like depression. That's a reign of death. Jesus came into this world. And death hated his coming. 
Darkness hated his coming. They wish they could stop him. They wish they could suppress him. They wish they could just stifle him, but they couldn't. Because the light dispels the darkness. And the light that was in him, wherever he would come, it would just crush the darkness. He said, I've come to destroy the work of the enemy. And he was the only one. And the hell shook when he was there. And they tried their best to kill him, and they thought they did. <laughs> that was so stupid of them. Because what they did, they make things worse. Because the spirit that was in him through his death on the cross, the shell of his humanity was broken and his nature was released. And now one Christ became millions of little Christs. And he called them the church. And he said, I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you understand that he's talking about you? That's reigning in life. So it's not about bolstering your ego. Oh, those people are preaching. They're bolstering people's egos. I'm not bolstering you. It takes no faith to be a naysayer. It takes no effort. It takes no courage. No boldness whatsoever to be negative, to be skeptic, to throw wet towels on everyone and everything. It takes guts to say, I believe, I trust, I'll go. Jesus gave me his spirit and I'm going to step into the darkness and the darkness will be dispelled because of him in me. And the gates of hell shall not overcome, shall not prevail. From the get-go, Jesus was talking about the conflict and resistance and overcoming, Right? Do you understand I'm talking about you? But I'm just nobody from Springfield, Ohio. No, dude, you're little Christ. You are little Christ. You have the same anointing. All right. Okay, who, man, I'm preaching myself happy today. <laughs> yeah, so. So, I have to do some groundwork today. Really. My question to us is, if that's the case, and we read it in the Bible, and we agree, and we say amen to that, and then we look at our own life and the life of our friends, and we don't see even a fraction of that for some reason. How come? In this conflict, we don't seem to be prevailing very much. And I'll, I, one of the purposes of the church is to dismantle blockages and strongholds that hold you down and hold you back and today i'm trying to address and target one of those things i'm going to target a confusion that enemy has been using throughout the centuries to suppress and stifle christians and not to let them come into the place of power uh, he creates enemy loves to create murky waters confusion I want to talk to you briefly today about the concept of covenant covenant have you heard of covenant does it mean anything in your head right now some do some don't it's one of those words that you so often that we lose the meaning of it 
So covenant is a very special relationship. I want us, and it's really important for us to see what covenant is and also to discern two covenants, old covenant and new covenants, and to understand what does it have to do with you. First, we really need to, it's important for us to understand what covenant is. Well, all of us have, have different kind of relationship, but the closest to covenant relationship and the human relationships is marriage. I mean, it's deteriorating pretty quickly today, but it's still, it's probably the closest in modern American culture to the concept of the Bible of the covenant. It's a sacred bond that connects two people forever until one of them, at least one of them or both of them die. Only death can break that bond. Do you hear me? That's the closest to the covenant. Covenant is kind of an agreement. It, you can call it kind of a contract, but it's more than a contract. It's deeper than a contract. And it, it, it's an agreement on certain things. And uh, as I was thinking of modern examples of this kind of covenant agreements, one came to mind is NATO. Have you heard of NATO? It's North Atlantic. How, how is it? Uh, what is this? Stance? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> North, no. North Atlantic. Yeah. North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It has about 30 countries. They're all different. They speak different languages. They have different budgets. They have different economies. But here's their agreement. They said, we, 30 countries, signed this covenant with one another, this treaty. If any of these 30 countries is attacked, all of them are attacked. Do you hear it? So there's one of those countries is little Estonia. It's like tiny, I don't know, maybe five Springfields or maybe a little more. I don't know. Estonians don't take an offense. I didn't look at Wikipedia. <laughs> so if somebody would try to touch and invade Estonia, it touches and invades the United States. Retaliation is immediate. That's why nobody dares to touch Estonia. That's kind of a covenant agreement. That's, that's one of the examples I found. So I want you to understand that covenant is the only relationship in the context of which you can have any reliable relationship with God. It's, it's the very basic structure. You know, I originally wasn't born in America. I was born on another side of the globe. And I've come here legally, first with working visa, then I got my green card, and then I got my citizenship. So now I'm American citizen. But there are different kinds of people that come to this country illegally. And they live and they try to live here, but they have no legal ground. They need to be legalized somehow, so they need to go through a legal procedure. They need to submit themselves to authorities and say, I'm here, help me to become legal or kick me out of this country. I'm sorry, I'm not talking about politics right now. I'm just trying to explain to you that how it works. So a lot of people today, they try to build a relationship with God, but it's a wishful thinking. So my call to action for you today I want to tell you that based on the Bible, if you don't have covenant relationship with the Lord, you live in wishful thinking. It's not true. It's a figure of your imagination. I'm getting pretty heavy. Dennis, light up. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, 
The fundamental difference, I, where is my notes? Yeah, I need my notes to be more consistent with myself. So why am I talking about covenants? Because we're talking about reigning in grace. And we said you can only reign in grace if you learn to receive these two things, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You only and exclusively can receive these things if you are in covenant with God that is called new covenant. And there are two major covenants in the Bible. We call them old covenant and new covenant. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians for centuries subconsciously were led to mix a lot of the elements of the old covenant with the new covenant. And that, my friend, is not, it's, it's not a small thing. It actually depletes you of the power. It's like, it's like your car that you drive and every time you drive off your driveway, something punctures the uh, tires and you have no air. That's what happens to you. That's, that's the, actually, I'm answering the question why in the world God says that's what I want for Christians and why majority of Christians are not there, why we're not there. So, because these two covenants, you need to see the difference. If you don't see the difference, if you don't discern these two covenants, you will be inevitably mixing and converging the old covenant with the new covenant and it totally negates the power of the new covenant. The fundamental difference between the old and the new, they cancel each other. Well, Dennis, why are you talking about this? Like, what does it have to do with me? I, I'll tell you what it has to do with you. How many of you read the Bible? Well, most of you. That's wonderful. Let me ask you a tricky question. Do you think reading the Bible can be bad for you? Rob said absolutely not, right? I heard something else? Possibly. Pastor Linden, who's been pastoring a church for over 40 years, says the reading Bible can possibly be bad for you. Another person in the congregation said detox. That's right. Honey, I don't know who I called honey. Maybe my wife. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I'm getting Americanized. You know, sometimes I come to the line in Walmart, and I think I'm young. You don't call me honey. And she goes, how are you doing, honey? I said, I'm not old. <laughs> well, anyway, honey. <laughs> that's... Do you like steaks? Oh, I love steaks. How do you like your steaks? Medium rare. Medium rare. That's the most popular answer in America. Want to be American? Medium rare. It's Okay. How many of you like rare? Some people, nah, nah, too much blood, too bloody. Well, would you ever try to eat medium rare chicken? No, you won't. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you don't discern the difference between old covenant and new covenant, and you try to feed yourself spiritually from the Bible, you're going to eat raw poultry. Something that can give you wonderful taste, flavor, enjoyment, strength, nutrition is going to make you sick. So I'm telling you, if you don't discern 
new covenant from the old covenant, this special relationship that God established, and you confuse them, it's like eating raw poultry. You're going to be sick. The same scriptures become blinders to people. During the Jesus day, those were experts in the Bible and they wouldn't see Jesus. They wouldn't recognize. They actually were hate Jesus because of their preconceived ideas that they read from the Bible. Hey, what do you do with this? So you're so used to don't read your Bible, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day. If you read it wrong, you'll be sick spiritually. How to read it right? You need to read it right. And I'm going to tell you how to read it right. So first of all, let me tell you something, a few words about Old Covenant. Old Covenant was established between God and Israel, not between God and Ohio. <laughs> Have you heard of a cultural appropriation? It's an interesting phenomena. I, I don't know what it is. It's like one people blame others for cultural uh, appropriation. Well... In case of Israel, it's right. Do you understand that uh, Jewish people view us Christians as a little cuckoo that took their book, translated it in their own language, whatever it is, German, English, Russian, whatever, and applied it to themselves like God gave it to them, all these covenants and all these promises and all these things and all that. You have nothing to do with that. I mean, unless you're a Jew in like 13th generation and you know your genealogy and everything else. Am I saying something contradictory to you, like hard to swallow? No. Paul, in the second chapter of Ephesians, he says, he's talking about Jewish people, and then he's talking about Gentiles, and he said, and we, and you also, you who used to be alienated and had no part in the covenant of promise. You had no hope, and you had no God in this world. That's what, who you used to be. I say amen to that. That's me. You know, the three-thirds of your Bible were written originally and given to the one particular nation that had a covenant with God, and you had nothing to do with that. Am I saying something new to you? I thought it's like it's on the surface. So back then, to become someone who is a legitimate participant in relationship with God... You had to participate in that covenant. You actually had to become a Jewish person. You had to denounce to, to uh, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, renunciate your belonging to your previous culture, previous motherland, previous anything. Cut and sever all ties. Come to the people of Israel and say, I want to be you. I want to be part of you. Can I become a Jew? Can I teach me? And he had to go through a ritual. He had to be circumcised. He had to go through a special ritual called giyur. And after that, he had to learn the new ways of life. And he had to learn all the laws and everything. And even then, he was kind of a second-rate Jew. Did I make this point clear? Okay, how in the world? Dennis, are you saying the Old Testament is not relevant to us? No, I'm not saying that. It's super relevant. If you remember my message two weeks ago, I was reading from the first book of Corinthians, and Paul said, Paul and the author of the book of Hebrews, he pointed out to the story from the Old Testament. And he said, that actually happened to them, but we can learn from these stories. We can learn, but we need to read it right. So before, let me tell you this briefly, before 
the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was one major covenant in this world between God and people. And those people were a very specific nation, Jewish nation. And we guys had nothing to do with that. We were lost without hope, without covenant. But after, listen, I'm getting to good stuff now. But after Jesus came, after he lived a perfect life, after he died on the cross, after he was put to death, buried for three days, after he was resurrected, after he's ascended and poured out his spirit, the new covenant was inaugurated. Absolutely new, unprecedented, that never existed before. And Ohioans were included. And Russians were included. And Germans were included. And, I don't know, Scottish were included. And who else? I don't know. Everybody was included. And that was a shock to Jewish people. So Christians teach today, a lot of Christians teach that, oh, you know, it's the, the new covenant just just flowed out of the old covenant seamlessly. It's just an extension. It's just a continuation. It's just too bad that those people, Jewish people back then, they didn't realize that. They didn't recognize that. They didn't notice that. If they would just have stopped and looked more closely, they would realize that that's not true. Actually, Jewish people realized what happened. Something weird happened. God broke the rules. He gave them the rules, they played by the book, and all of a sudden he changed the rules. They played, they came to play basketball, and he comes with a hockey stick. What in the world? That was a scandalous thing. And I, I don't know, I, I really want to convey and communicate it to you that it's very important to know that it's not just a continuation of the same thing. It's unprecedented. It's a brand new thing after death of Jesus and resurrection. And it's a big problem when Christians think, yeah, it's kind of the same. It's not. So the, the title of my message today is Clean Cut. And I'm not talking about circumcision. <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Those things randomly come in mind and I should probably have a better filter, but I don't. So I'm talking about clean cut between, in your mind between those two covenants. Because if you have that clean mind, you will roast that chicken well enough. And you will be able to feed and feast on the Bible. You will be able to read every part of the Old Testament and enjoy the Lord. Every part of the Old Covenant, even the book of Leviticus, somehow, mysteriously, will bring you into the presence of God through Jesus. If you read it right, if you have a clear cut, the cross of Christ is that clear cut. This is huge divide and it's not mixable. It's not compatible. And right now, I have a few minutes left, and I'll try to tell you why, what makes those two covenants so radically different. It's not just because one was for Jews and other was not available to everyone, and another one is for everyone. Uh, the book of Hebrews, actually, is the best book that explains that the new covenant doesn't mean just renewed and extended covenant. It's brand new. It's different. It's radically different. So, oh, man. 
And the cool thing that it's like, you will ask the question, well, Dennis, if God introduced one covenant and then he introduced another, where's the guarantee that he's not going to introduce the third one tomorrow and change the game again? He will not. That's a good news. That's a beautiful good news that the second covenant is not the second covenant. It's the last. It's the final. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate final expression. Why? Because it's an actual expression of God's heart finally. Let's read Hebrews chapter 8 verses 8 through 12. And I, I, I'm more of a teaching mode today than preaching. So maybe you're not used to that, but we'll, we'll see. So Hebrews 8, 8 through 12. Let's read it. For he finds fault with them when he says, and it's a reference to the book of Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish, I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that's true. Originally, that was God's design. He promised to give it to them. They rejected that. And you know what? It's a good news for us, Paul said. They rejected it. We got it. Like, you want that car? No. Can I drive it? Yes. We're driving that car today. And in fact, one of our calls is to make Jewish people jealous when they see the reality of God in our life. Reality of their God. Well, anyway, let's keep reading. So a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by their hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in that covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. We remember those stories last time I preached. And chapter, uh, verse 10 is the key verse that describes the essence of the covenant that we received. New covenant. New covenant. New, different, better covenant. Listen. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And now it's with you guys. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The reality of the new covenant is a gift of God's Spirit coming right into you and begin transforming you from within and making you matching God's nature and making you a perfect expression of His character. Is that a good news or what? This is such a good news. Listen. And then he says, And they shall not teach each other, each one his neighbor, and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. You know, meaning intimate, experiential knowledge. No. Why? Because, <laughs> For they shall all know me. Whoa! New covenant. As soon as you step into it, you have the full right to know God intimately and experientially. Even if you're one second old in the Lord. If you've been Christian for one day, you can already have the knowledge, the most intimate experiential knowledge of God as a personal presence of His Spirit within you. Whoa! Hello! You still want to mix it with the old covenant? And they shall not teach. I said, I already read it. 
for I will be. Why, why is it happening? Why is it possible? Why so different? He says, that's why. Because I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Whoa. He has dealt with your sins. Brother, you don't know. I'm, I, I've been doing drugs for 20 years. He has dealt with your sins. Brother, you don't know. I'm, 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 I'm addicted to porn. And I cannot get free. And I'm hiding it from my wife. He has dealt with your sins. He remembers them no more. Are you saying that I'm free to continue my addiction? No. I'm saying you don't have to fight it anymore. You're going to receive your freedom from it. Because the Holy Spirit, God himself, I am the favorite gazebo of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They love to chill out in me and talk to each other and to me. Dennis, who do you think you are? I think I am a new covenant person. I think my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what I think is happening. Gosh. Listen, verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, he, he continues, and that's his main point. He says, guys, I want you to know, and he's talking to Hebrews, to Jewish people who were sliding back to Judaism, to the old covenant, and they were trying to, to combine it and to mix it. He said, no, guys, you don't understand. It's so, it's so radically, fundamentally different that your attempt to bring them together kills the power and effectiveness of the new covenant in you. What is the angriest epistle book of the New Covenant? What is it? Galatians. Paul is furious. He said, who did that to you? Who brought this religious crap to you from Jerusalem? And all this Bible knowledge that killed you and removed the presence of God from your midst. Bible can remove the presence of God from your midst. If you don't read it through the cross of Christ, through the blood of Christ, and through the new covenant. And you receive it as a gift of God. Abundance of it. Not just trickled down. Abundance of the grace of God. So he said, for on one hand, a former commandment, the old covenant, is set aside. Listen, because of its weakness and uselessness. I, I didn't put that word in there. So many people got offended by this word. That they started looking for the original. I mean, they didn't get offended. Like maybe it's ineffective. It's not having any traction. It's, it's not profitable. It's not doing anything to you. For the law, he said, made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. The covenant is a promise to give you a way to draw near to God. And there are only two covenants in the Bible, really, major ones. Old covenant and new covenant. And the old covenant has been tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and it didn't work. You cannot draw near to God. You always do it, and you never get there. And the new covenant, it's called a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. If you draw near to God through Jesus through the living way, through a person, you immediately find yourself in the presence of God. Immediately. I want to call you to action today. Most of you are Christians. I know that. 
For you, my call is to discern, to pray, God, make it crystal clear to me so that I would stop eating half-baked chicken. I would, I would feast on healthy food. And for you who are not sure, I want you to receive the new covenant so that you would have a lawful place in the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm finishing here, but I, I, I wanted to give you a couple of examples, guys. You know, English is not my native language, so I regularly butcher your grammar and I speak with accent and some of the words you cannot figure out what I'm trying to say. Can you imagine all of a sudden you know my native language and I speak to you in my native language and my heart just flows without any hindrances? That'd be a little different experience. That's what happens through the Bible. God comes to people to their level and He begins to speak their language first. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. But he doesn't stay there high. He goes down. And the ultimate going down is Jesus coming. But before Jesus came, God comes and he, he begins to talk to them. And he said, hey, guys, I want you to be my special nation. I want to speak to you directly. I want you to be my priest, my kings. And they said, uh, no. Talk to Moses. God says, well, okay. And then they said, I, I want every tribe of Israel to be priest. And they say, no, just choose one tribe, Levites. God says, well, okay, I'll work with this. So he keeps doing that, but he brings, he constantly brings them, brings them, brings them. And finally, by the time Jesus comes, it's, it's like, finally God said, guys, I'm tired speaking your broken human language. I'm speaking directly. I'm speaking like Dennis speaks to these Americans. I call what it is, and I show what my heart is. Here's the, guys, musicians, I, I know, just, just be patient. I'm giving you rest for your sore throats. <laughs> so, so, what's at the heart of the covenant, old covenant? You, your efforts, your determination, your resolve, your dedication. It's you. It's your stamina. It's you, you for God. And it sounds good. And it's our language. We understand it. And it's transactional. God says, okay, you do this, I do that. What you can imagine is like you're in the wilderness and God says, you guys want water. Of course we want water. I got water. So I'm going to dig this canal from my side and you're going to dig your canal from your side. And in the middle, as soon as we meet, the water will begin to flow into your side. That's what Old Testament is. And it sounds like, yes, give it a more oomph. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I overestimated. I promised that I'm going to do my part, but I'm totally unable to. That's Old Covenant. Don't go in there. Here's the New Covenant. God says, these guys are crippled it's okay we love them we're going to heal them to be healed they need water and they're not getting any water so God the Father and God the Son said hey you want to dig a channel canal for them yes and Jesus came and he did our part of the work and God the Father filled it with a crystal clear water of life whoa 
and it's a river of life, and it's a gift of God, and it's, it's, it's abundance of grace, and you have the gift of righteousness, and God doesn't count your sins and, and, and uh, trespasses anymore, and all you need to do is to say, yes, Jesus, and you go, Bleak. I give you all kinds of new sounds. I gave you, last time, and now I give you, and I give you, So my encouragement to you, there are many messages today, many churches, and they're all wonderful in a sense. Uh, well, but be careful what messages you listen to. Be careful. If you feel that a result of your listening to this message or reading that book becomes this regular thing in your life, that means you left the book reality. And God's call is for you to stay in the book. That's the baptism. That's what we do when we do baptism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, into Jesus. Into Holy Spirit. Into the presence of the Father. How much uh, did you do to do that? You did... Uh. Okay. I, I'm, I guess I lost the word, gift of words, so I speak in tongues to you. And you understand me. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys. We have the new covenant, new and a living way into the presence of God. And the author of the book of Hebrews says, let us draw near, let us draw near into the presence of God through the blood of the new covenant. We got us nothing against you. There is no condemnation. Any problem, any trouble, any oppression, any depression, is resolved in the presence of God. So come into the presence of God right now as we worship. Those for you, uh, those of you who need a prayer, those of you who need to receive Jesus and obtain a covenant with God, come on both sides of our sanctuary. We're going to have a prayer ministry team. Come to them. They, they will pray with you. Okay, guys, let's worship. I hope I wasn't too inconsistent and incoherent, but you guys are new covenant people. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.